Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today I have Sarah Hudson. She's a HR benefits coordinator. What do you do, Sarah? I'm a benefits manager for a large organization that specializes in HR outsourcing services. And where My are specialty, you at? I'm in the Metro Houston area of Texas. Go ahead. Tell us about what you're doing. Okay. So I manage uh, leaves and disability policies and programs for um, our mostly our U.S. population, which is um, almost 10,000 people. And then we have an additional 5,000 people globally that I support with some well-being activities and initiatives as well. So um, my day runs the gamut of often very emotional things, um, lots of opportunities to help and be impactful, which is why I got into human resources in the first place many moons ago. Um, so yeah, my, my day can be a little routine at times, or it can be the opposite of routine. <laughs> um, if there's like an emergency or, or a big situation that's um, worthy of kind of stepping back and determining how best we can support one of our employees, no matter where in the world they are. So let's uh, talk about you were doing it. You're working for an outsourcing, H, an HR outsourcing firm. So you have internal things, and also you're supporting other companies with their HR needs. So my specific role is internal HR only. Okay. But the kinds of things that I do um, are services that we sell. So we sell services like payroll administration, benefits administration, a pension and 401k administration, as well as HRIS um, for people who are familiar with the workday tools and cloud services. Um, we, we do some of that as well. And even, even other HR services um, around recruiting and, and talent development. Um, we, can, we can do a suite and some of our clients have the whole shebang and some of our clients only use us for one of those components. It really just depends on their needs um, as to what we provide. Are these but my exact that are, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah all sizes. Um, we specialize in, in medium to large companies. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you think from hotel change to hospital systems, um, popular brands that you would see you know, on billboards on the side of the road and things like that. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's something where you know, in the millions of people um, that we end up supporting, just again, depending on how their employer engages us. And you were starting to say my exact role and then I like somehow. <laughs> yeah, so, but my exact role is I don't work with clients at all. Um, I work only with our own employees, which we call colleagues. So I'll. I'll probably say that instead of employees, it's, it's ingrained in me. Mm -hmm. And so I, my job is um, to support our internal colleague population and others in HR, whether it's kind of like that strategic HR advisor for the business, or maybe, um, you know, our HR operations like call center that supports our own employees that are calling in with questions. Um, I'm in because I'm in benefits, I'm part of the total rewards team, which most people think of as compensation and benefits, and that's how it is here. Um, but then my my other customers, if you will, um, could be you know people on our talent acquisition or talent development teams, um, as well as individual colleagues who may have a special need that I can I can help see too. So if someone internally in your company needs to call for um, like a leave, um, like a FMLA or something like that you would be like the internal HR team that would support and then the rest of the company is also HR, but they're basically being outsourced to help support other companies. Am I getting this right? 
you are ninety percent of the way there. Yes. <laughs> what am so, I um, so yeah, the 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 only thing um, that you didn't hit on the head there is that my role is a little bit more strategic and overarching. So I manage our vendor relationship with, for example, our LOA and FMLA vendor, um, which a lot of our clients also use. So we kind of um, we don't go to market together. Um, but, but, and then we have other vendors that we kind of do go to mar- market with, where we consider each other like um, par- partners in, in that realm. So we have some vendors, um, you know, they'll, uh, they'll be able to approach our client and say, hey, um, since you're already working with this company, you know, we have a special integration with them. If you're interested in working with us, we can kind of streamline that implementation and, and some things like that. So that makes it um, easy for me because we have a lot of people using the same service. So if I ever have a problem, like chances are our teams work through it with somebody else and vice versa. Um, Obviously, you know, as the company that's kind of behind it, we do a lot of piloting and we do a lot of kind of testing on our end using our own self as guinea pigs, which is both good and bad at times. (laughs) But um, but yeah, so, so I more so manage our vendor relationships and I then get involved with a specific colleague generally. If there's like an escalation, if there's a unique situation that our policy just didn't account for because nobody could foresee ever needing that, you know, or, um, or maybe like, it's just something really unique. And I'll give an example of that. So we have a very generous parental leave, um, and my company of eight weeks full pay. And yeah, so we have a, a rule that, um, if you are the birth mother, you need to take it immediately following your disability leave. So you'll have six or eight disability weeks and then your bonding time. So that's 14 weeks total. Mm-hmm. Or 16. And then um, if you have a C-section, you get an extra two weeks. Okay. And then our dad's adoptive parents, any parent that's not the birthing parent, same-sex partners, opposite-sex partners, whatever, they get the eight weeks and they can take it at any time, but it has to be consecutive. Like we don't have the administration and the task, um, we're, we operate very lean. So when people take it, we need them to take it and then we need them to come back to work and have it be over. So no intermittent. Um, yeah, we, we can't do it intermittently. We just don't have the means to track it all with such a huge population. Um, some companies do, um, maybe they have a little bit more staff than we do, but that's how we, we have to do it here. Um, but a prime example of a time we have made an exception to that would be like um, a mom whose baby is gonna be in the NICU for a month or two. Yeah. And she's saying, you know what? At the end of my disability period, I really feel fine. The hospital's very close. I can pop in. Like maybe they work something out with their manager where they're, you know, got a little bit more flexibility. And then they really want to take their bonding time when their baby comes home. And so fortunately that doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. And that's the kind of thing that we're not going to build into our overarching policy, but we kind of reserve the right, you know, to, to do the right thing for people when this kind of situation comes about. So those are the kinds of times I get brought in to say, our leave administration vendor will say, hey, we have someone that's, the policy's not exactly working for them. And we think there's a way that it could, if you're willing to bend a little bit. So our vendor does a really good job of both, um, you know, protecting our interests, but also looking out for our employees. And we really appreciate that. Um the the whole idea of FMLA has been something that has been part of my conversation this week. I'm actually obviously traveling and we've talked about this a little bit, you know this, but um, I'm traveling because I'm helping out a friend who just lost a loved one um, in a, you know, it would, I think that when there's like, um, 
a prolonged illness. You know, people anticipate, you know, this, but the situation was um, sudden. And, um, and like, so we're kind of like trying to find out and figure out like, you know, FMLA, usually you're supporting someone who's sick, um, a family member, but then can you take FMLA for yourself if you're struggling, you know, mentally, emotionally with, you know, this sudden change in your life and, um, and like my, my friend's mother is helping support and trying to also take some time and it's, um, it's a little complicated and I think that the bigger the organization, the bigger team they'll have for, you know, from more leniency, um, but it's, it's tricky. Um, especially when this is, you know, these are words you've never had to use before. You've never had to, you know, use these policies. Yes. And, and, and the tricky part in FMLA as well, um, is that it's not paid. So, you know, it's great that the job protection is there, that the time is there. Um, some people are in a position where they can take unpaid time off. And a lot of people, most people are not. So that's where, you know, I'm, I'm seeing trends in the industry, of, um, you know, offering more bereavement time, not so much tying it to the exact relationship. You know, I think the last several years have shown us in in particular, you know, your family is who you make it, you know, so, um, I mean, yeah, if if you, if you lose your best friend, is is that really so different than losing a sibling or, you know, so I, I see a lot of companies really trying to find ways to say yes, you know, find ways to support, and um, it, when everyone's already working from home, like right now, or even jobs before, you know, that had flexibility, it's kind of nice because you already have like some built-in flexibility to your day, and it's not so big of a stretch to say, in your case, I'm gonna I'm gonna go work, you know, from another state for a little while or another city for a little while, and and there's you know, there's tax implications when people start moving around too. And we struggle with that a lot when people move and they don't tell you, (laughs) and then you find out they've been inappropriately taxed for a while, but for, for short-term things, a week here, two weeks there, that's fine. You know? So I'm, I'm really encouraged to see, um, companies again, I will use the phrase like looking for ways to say yes, to support people. And I think in turn, Again, I may have a little bit of a rose-colored glass because of what I do for a living, but I feel like if you take care of people, they're they're going to try and do their best to stay productive and and help their team. Not that they should do that ahead of their own self-care or family care, whatever they're doing. I just mean to say, I think it's a two-way street. If you're willing to support people, they're willing, you know, to come at it in good faith. You know, um, you know, not not take advantage of policies or or check out you know, um, if they're working on something urgent, you know, just that balance of, you know, everybody kind of being on the same team and and trying to take care of each other. I think that's becoming more prevalent. Well, if you don't take care of someone who is, you know, under, you know, extreme stress and bereavement, um, you know, they might not be able to be competent at their job. They might bundle something or bungle something as I say, bumble. (laughs) Bungle is the word you're looking for, or they'll leave. And then you have, Again, if I'm just putting my HR hat on for a moment, then you have replacement costs and you have downtime and, and it's funny, like, it's not at all the same situation as losing a loved one, but when someone leaves the workforce unexpectedly, it's kind of like a little death. There's a little bit of grief, you know, it's someone you were working with all the time. I mean, I'm closer to my little team 
of three that I work with than I am even to some of some of my girlfriends right now, just because everything's been so strange and we haven't been getting together. And so, yeah, if one of us were to really quit unexpectedly or even give a standard two week notice, it would be a blow. So it's in everyone's interest to take care of people. Scrambling and trying to cover shifts and things too. So then it puts Mm -hmm. bigger strain on everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm actually, I, I want to talk about this, even though this has nothing to do with you, but I'm actually staying in this little, um, place. It was a old rundown, uh, hotel, like a Howard Johnson that these people renovated and they turned into, it's basically like, um, it's basically like a little studio, um, it's like a small studio apartment or like a hotel with a kitchenette more or less. Um, it's got, well, not really, it's got a microwave and a mini fridge and, um, and some shelving and extra drawers and things. And then it has a Murphy bed. So I'm actually, I've got like a little couch over here. And then this thing, this big white cabinet behind me is actually in my bed that folds down. So they, um, they rent these out as either short or long-term housing options, um, for like interns and grad students. And then people are traveling. So they actually have some of these, um, spaces, uh, included in like airbnb and is it do you say verbo or vrbo i don't know what's the correct way to say I, i've i've heard verbo on like the actual ads so i, I think say verbo but somebody has to say verbo now the lady who actually like rented this place to me i think she said vrbo and i was like wouldn't you know <laughs> <laughs> it's like the whole gift gif thing <laughs> uh-huh. so let's talk about what we were working on yesterday so sarah and i got into a call and we've talked before like what six months ago or so about a completely different thing. Um, but yesterday you were trying to figure out your headset, right? You want to talk about your yeah. headset? Okay. I, I very much want to talk about my headset that um, was a delightful gift from Santa husband. Um, it wasn't even like he picked it up though. I literally, you know, it was like, this is the headset I want. Please mm-hmm. make it happen for me. <laughs> um, so let me back up a little bit to talk about why my headset has uh, been so life-changing and important for my mental health. So <laughs> um, I've been working from home for 11 years. And for the first like two or three years, I worked just off my regular tiny laptop. They aren't even like extra big laptops. It's like a little 15 inch screen. And, and I started working on this one project and my manager said, do you not have an extra monitor? And I said, well, that's a thing. Like, I mean, <laughs> even though I was working from home, I'd, I'd been given a laptop at five o'clock on Friday and told congratulations on your promotion. You know, we'll start working from home Monday morning. You know, at some point, please log in to make sure you can get on the VPN, have fun. Oh. And it, yeah, it never occurred to me to ask for another monitor because I, I mean, in the office, everyone worked on a desktop with a monitor, of course. And so I hadn't seen anybody using a laptop and a monitor. And, yeah. and again, I'm already feeling so privileged, right. To be working from home and, and I was making it on a laptop. That wasn't an issue until I got put on this project and I have all these spreadsheets. And I'm just like, this is getting kind of hard. So then they get me the monitor. And now, of course, everybody who's listening to this is probably like, I can never work without my second monitor. And I can't anymore. It's like working with only one eye or one arm or something. (laughs) Anyway, all that to say, um, throughout the years, um, I used my landline for a long time for my calls because I could just put the call on speakerphone. I'd put it in my back pocket and I'd empty the dishwasher. I do some dishes, you know, if I'm listening, of course, if I'm participating, you know, sit in front of my desk, but it was just convenient. And of course, you know, that way you can always call your cell phone when you put it down, you can't find it. 
So that's nice too. <laughs> and, and our VoIP historically did not have like a great reception and the calls would drop if you weren't hardwired in. And my home before now or my current home is just not wired in such a way that the ethernet can, can easily be where I want it to be to work most comfortably. Um, as you could kind of see, I have a dedicated office in my home. I'm very lucky. Um, to have a great setup here. I call it the situation room. So it's like it's kind of separate from the rest of the house. All that to say, um, I was foiled in my master plans because we moved to Teams in the fall. And so you had to dial in from your computer. They, they didn't oh. give us a, a number to dial in from. And I really didn't want to use my cell phone because I have that fancy tech shield in, in my roof. And so my reception sometimes not good. <laughs> and so I said, okay, like fine. So I, I dug up my headset, literally blew the dust off of it, you know. And then I went, well, now I'm just tied to my desk all the time. I don't really like this. So I asked, you know, a few work from home friends, um, like some some people in some forums I'm in. And, and this one came recommended. I do like the the headset portion. I don't like the over-ear thing. It's just not my personal taste. I know a lot of people hate the headset component, but I'm also on the phone like 30 to 50% of the day. And is it so, Bluetooth? Uh-huh. Like we can see the wire for those of us that are on the video, because but that's dead. because you're yeah. charging it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this bad boy holds a charge for like two solid days yeah. and that's me on and off calls all day. Uh -huh. So I've never yet, I've not yet in the last six months had a day where I was literally on calls for the entire <laughs> hour. I mean, it's happened. Um, but also sometimes, you know, I could just unplug it and use my my computer speakers sometimes like if I kind of just need the break from something but you can basically so, yeah. go several days with using this on one charge. I can especially if I'm only on two or three hours a day it seems to hold a charge really well so of course I normally just try to remember to plug it in every couple days at night and I forgot to plug it in last night and I've actually been for the podcast I've been using my you know it's not the the fanciest podcast you make but I usually have my I'm pointing like this because it's usually like right here in the camera I have yeah. my big um it's a blue yeti and I have it like on a shock mount with the boom arm um, oh, yeah. so I can get it closer. Um, it's a little bit finicky and that's one reason that everybody loves it, but it's working more or less, um, except for the time that my computer like overrode it and tried to make my AirPod microphone use. So I have two episodes from in the last 15 episodes that were actually, it, looks, it, was, right, it was right there. <laughs> and instead it was coming from here and the sound quality was really different. Today yeah. I'm actually using my old Logitech headset that I had been using for the past three and a half years for teaching English online. Mm -hmm. And I know it doesn't have like the same quality as my um, Yeti, but it also does have some like noise canceling features. Cause I am in a, like I'm on the first floor of this little micro apartment building and the parking lot is right there. And I know there's people that are coming in and out and I'm like, mate, mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't travel with the big one. I, I was able to cram everything into a backpack, including- yeah, I was like mouse, my external keyboard is with me. Um, I have a ring light and I've got my docking station and you know, all of the uh, cords and connections that I might need. And I was really proud of myself for cramming it all into my suitcase as fast as I could. I am also proud of you. <laughs> and two of my neighbors are pressure washing and two of my neighbors have their yard people here right now. Oh, I can't so hear. So you could, yeah, apparently they cancel noise pretty well because it's <laughs> almost distracting me. It's so loud on my end. So but this is a Jabra 65. I think it ran something like 225. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very, very happy with it. And I see like there's refurbished. I don't know if this is a new one or a refurbished one. Mm. I don't care. I didn't ask. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a that, gift and it came, is, husband came through. So I didn't worry about it. <laughs> that is definitely more than I have paid for mine. I think this one was like $20, $25 when I got it three years ago. And when my kids started doing online schooling, I just, as soon as Amazon was like, it won't be 14 weeks before, you know, cause as soon as the pandemic hit, you couldn't buy a headset online. You couldn't buy yep. anything like anything yep. related to work from home materials was like gone. And so we bought two, just like whatever the bottom of the barrel headsets were for my kids to do online school. And they promptly broke, like within, I would say two months, they just broke. Wow. And um, yeah, like either one of, either the microphone or the headset function, like one of the other. Oh, would wow. Not work. Good to know. Um, I guess you get what you pay for in, in so <laughs> <exactly>. many ways. <laughs> and as soon as these became available again, I was kind of watching. Um, I ordered three because I have three kids who were all doing online school and I don't want like the echo oh, going through the house because sometimes they would be in the same room as us and I knew that they have noise canceling um, features. My husband's headset that he uses for work doesn't. And so I'm sure that every time like the kids open the door and say, dad, <laughs> they can hear, you know, but um, yeah, you know, if someone's pounding on the door right next to me, I'm sure you all could hear it too. But it is nice to know that it's at least taking out some of the outside peripherals. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. It's it's been nice. And I'm also like a well, I don't know if Lucky's the right word, but my husband cannot work from home. He he works on site. Um and and we've been also extremely lucky that our daycare has remained open this whole time. My kids wow. are three and five, so they were two and four a year ago, you know, getting anything done oh. with any age child yes. is difficult, but yeah. you know, especially the little one wouldn't even sit and watch TV at that yeah. point. Like she yeah. wasn't there yet, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I have been incredibly, incredibly privileged to really be largely unimpacted by those aspects of the pandemic. You oh. know, I, if anything, the summer was a little slow for me last summer mm. um, with everyone working from home. Like people weren't requesting leaves. People weren't requesting disability accommodations because when you're at home, it takes out so much of it, right? Yeah. You don't need to miss work. Um, if you feel a migraine coming on, like maybe just go lay down for an hour and then you just kind of come back or you wow. could just turn all the lights off and wear your sunglasses, which is in the office. You can't control those things. Or maybe it's more of like an anxiety function. Well, if you don't have to like get dressed and make up and get in the car and be in front of people, you're like, you know what? I that can actually work today. So we actually saw a downtick in my personal volume. Of course, now everything's just insane. <laughs> but <laughs> really interesting. And I know that a lot of people out there are analyzing the pros and cons of work from home. And I wonder if, like, you know, decision makers and companies would be interested in seeing the HR impact, like the, you know, the paid time off and sick time, um, disability and FMLA, if that might be if that might work in the favor of the company. Yeah. I mean, like I said, we've seen like a 50% decrease in the number of people requesting like to even have an intermittent leave open. Like they either let it lapse, you know, or we had people that potentially didn't open a new one because again, when you're home, you have a certain degree of flexibility. And of course it depends on your job. You know, um, if you're exempt, you probably have a lot you know, more flexibility in your day. We do have some hourly employees who can't really flex time the same. We have a large call center population. It's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that, you know, even if you're feeling a little under the weather and you don't want to burn up a sick day, or maybe you're out of time and you would otherwise have to take the day with no pay. Um, you know, I think we've all been there. Where again, if you don't have to get presentable and go in front of people, you can kind of truck along, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, I worked from home. I've worked from home for 12 or 13 years now. I think it's 13, including this past year, which definitely counts. Yes. Um, I 
you know, when you work in an office setting, especially when I was in healthcare, I was working at Mayo Clinic, like on site, right? And if you came to work with a cough, like a really bad cough, people would like stare you down with laser beams to be like, go, yeah. get out of here. I don't want go. your stupid cough. Yeah. And, um, you know, never come to work when you're sick and contagious like that. Um, but when working from home for the next 10 years, I wasn't even on camera or on the phone except for maybe like a couple of minutes, a whole shift. And so if I was like coughing my brains out, nobody would even know. Like I could get my work done. And you didn't get anybody else sick even by accident, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> if I had a fever or diarrhea or something, you know, um, mm -hmm. as long as I could still get my shift done. <laughs> right. Um, I could, you know, it, I, I could save that PTO for what if I got more yep. sick or something like yeah. that. And, and you know, kind of like I said before, that by no means is me implying, oh, you should power through yeah. and put your job first. It's more like... Yeah, when you can, you can. When you can't, you can't. Mm -hmm. But if you're already at home and you kind of have some of those comforts and you can be in comfortable clothes and sipping some yeah. hot tea or, like you said, whether it's running to the bathroom a little bit more often or muting huh. yourself so you're not coughing on people, yeah. you know, yeah, it, it helps you conserve your time off. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of a department of one. So if mm -hmm. I'm out for the day, it's all just waiting for me the next day. Oh, yeah. So yeah. even if I am like, eh, if I could just do three or four hours, like, kind of phone it in a little bit and keep some things moving, then the next day is not so painful. Well, and <laughs> you know? I used to, I worked nights or I have worked nights almost all this time. And um, I, instead of lunch, I would always take a lunch nap. Yeah. <laughs> and so I had a 60 yeah. or 90 minute lunch, depending on the day. Um, I advocated oh, for nice. myself and I got a flexible lunch when I had my third baby because I was willing to be the person who continued working overnight. So it was just a few of us that did that. And, yeah. Um, and I was like, so if I'm going to do this for you, will you do this for me? And they did. Yeah. And so like, if I was really struggling, I could lay down and take a 90 minute or 50, you know, 75 minute nap, you know, yeah, set a timer, set a timer. And, yeah. <laughs> oh, so many timers. And I even had um, a few friends on my team who I would be like, I am leaving right now. I'm due it back at this time. If you notice that I'm not back by this time, please you call me. <laughs> me a, yeah, bring me. And we were like burning the midnight oil together. And so we all, you know, had lived that yeah. life. Yeah, and, um, definitely covered each other, you know, like woke each other up several times. And it was, yeah, it was a team thing. <laughs> well, and like you say, even now, like um, I'm on a team of basically three. So I have these two very small kids. Um, mm -hmm. The Another person has three kids and her kids are like six, eight, ten, somewhere in there. And then the other person has two kids that are just out of college and a, and a high schooler. So like we're all in those different stages, yeah. um, but we all know exactly what the other one's going through, you know less so me, you know, but the full understanding, but obviously like it doesn't take a genius to kind of figure out how parenting a teenager has its own challenges too. Right. Oh, <laughs> and all the kids have like an extracurricular here and there or an illness here and there. And so, I mean, never once would any of us say, hey, I got to cut out early today. And the other, one of the other two be like, oh, again, or, well, you know, when are you going to come back? You, you know, I mean, certainly if there's something really urgent, we might ask like, should I, you know, can I help? Do you need to work on something? Um, does this mean we're going to bump it to tomorrow? Just, you know, kind of cover some bases, yeah. but there's never, ever been a time where I felt like, or even in my prior job where we were on a bigger team, um, has anyone suggested um, that I shouldn't take the time that I needed or that I should hurry up or you know, anything like that? I've heard horror stories, you know, I'm in some of these, um, like, 
Facebook groups. I'm old, so I use Facebook the most, I think. <laughs> and like, there are some out there that are specific for, you know, people who work from home yeah. and you hear stories. Like you hear the, you know, is is usually someone who has very um, like grown up children, like in their twenties and thirties who forgot by then, I guess, like what it was like. Or it might be the the person who's never, you know, had, you know, other dependents and responsibilities in that way, um, not being as understanding. So it's, it exists. Um, and I guess I, my thought is, you know, if this, if you ever, you know, have a change in your lifestyle and you end up, you know, responsible for little humans. Mm-hmm. You well, know, the way I always say it, you know, <laughs> I mean... It, it's not the same, but like, you know, let's say you, you get a car accident, you have a heart attack, you, you just have, maybe your family member has an emergency, like we're all going to at some point need something. And no, it's, it's not the same as a, as a parent who maybe has something come up once a week, you know, or different things like that. But um, I mean, I, I mean, I grew up never really planning to have kids. So, um, you know, until I, I met my husband and was like, oh, okay, we, we can do this. I just always came at it as if everybody has what they need, then who really cares? Like, I don't need to cut out early, so I'm not going to. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, but I've also never been in a situation where I really, like, had to pick up work for somebody else either. And I can completely understand where, you know, if someone's needs actually end up really ruining another person's plans, like, you know, two people are asking for the same day off and the parents are being given preference. Well, it doesn't mean that just because you don't have a child, you didn't have something really important to do that was important to you. And, but, but again, I I don't see that here, right? I know that it happens. So yeah, I mean, I definitely think there's a balance between, you know, kind of, it takes a village (laughs) um, in in support and, and also, but again, I, I feel like at least among us, because we're all working parents, we're very cognizant of, you know, being away for a minimal time, you know, maybe you're doing a spot check on email, even though you're away, like just checking on an urgency, you know, a lot, a large part of my job is making sure that people get their disability pay. So um, there's been definitely times where I've been off, but I, I, I hopped on my computer for 20 minutes to answer a question or get something done to make sure somebody's pay wasn't delayed. Um, Cause if it was me, that's what I would want somebody else to do. And I think that's the other like wonderful thing about working from home or just having the option, like even when we talk about hybrid environments and having that laptop to take home, mm-hmm. like if I had to go to the office to get somebody paid, I wouldn't do it. You know, it, I'm not going to do that when I'm, I'm a day off or my week off. On your day you know? off, yeah. Yeah, if I can walk down the hall and do it, absolutely. But I wouldn't drive 30 minutes to the office to do it. So it's in everyone's best interest, you know, to have that flexibility. I feel like as I've kind of, watched the whole pandemic unfold and even before I've always been you know since I worked from home and I have for so long and I was kind of on the I mean not the very cutting edge of it but you know my company did go home with a remote team before many did Mm -hmm. um you know we had the full support for that can we just talk about how I survived for 10 years without ever having a video call quite successfully and now we're acting like we have to be on video calls to do our jobs no we don't no we don't especially when people have small kids at home, especially when people are working from home when they did not plan on it and they might be in a one bedroom and they have a little corner with poor lighting and, you know, insanity. And maybe they're a spouse or partner also trying to work from home or a parent or a sibling or whatever. And it's just like, are what, I, what makes me even more infuriated than the bosses who are like, or the companies who are not giving daytime flexibility is the camera mandatory stuff. 
Because I'm just like, that is so unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's great that from time to time, say, hey, everybody turn your camera on for the first five minutes. Let's say hello. Especially once we've all been home for a while, it is nice from time to time to have a video call like this one. Or I have a weekly one-on-one with my boss. And like every other week we turn the camera on. Like sometimes I want to eat or like mm-hmm. put a bra on or whatever. Yeah. You know, it just I'm just not feeling it. And you shouldn't have to because it's completely irrelevant. And if your culture has dictated that everybody must have their camera on for the first five minutes, then they're still going to feel that need to be ready every single time. My husband, yeah. and I've mentioned this a few times recently you know he works for a company where just the way that they kind of did things is that even though they have video capability I've only you know like just passing through the the bedroom I've only ever seen like one person on camera in the last year like I'm sure that that happens where I'm not in there very often while he's working but yeah um you know they he he has never turned his camera on I think they had one team meeting where everybody did for like an icebreaker type, you know, team building. Yeah, meeting. that's what I mean. Like a once a month, not, not every meeting, like yeah, first for him, five it was minutes, every meeting, a, but like. Once in a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember what I was going to get to a little bit ago. I was going to say, um, it's been really interesting watching like the culture um, of everything kind of develop. And um, I know that a lot of employers are trying to watch that productivity. So we're talking about how, you know, by having people at home, they might actually take less FMLA or, you know, leave of whatever. Or it could work be. more hours. Yes. Um, and we have to, you know, there's there's the whole thing where some people are going to be inclined to work harder to try to prove themselves. And then there's another be the other people who might try to take advantage of things. And I feel like the people that the bosses, you know, and especially if they're, you know, if they've been around for many years and have, you know, lived through different, I don't know, iterations of like work habits and things, you know, they feel maybe the need to, to be able to see everybody and they need to know that they're being more productive at home um, where, you know, you're talking about people take less leave, but are they getting more done? And I think even it comes down to the individual personality. Some people are like, you know, they'll never stand up because they're at home and they're just going to get work done and they can. And other people are distracted by their home. And so I don't think it's a blanket thing. Like, even though one team might be extremely productive, the next team might not be as productive. Sure. What I was going to say, though, for me personally, is when I had my first two kids, I did take my 12-week leave. I, I had the option to come back and do some work if I wanted after six weeks. I could get, I was allowed to do intermittent, um, like PTO for, you know, whatever. And I like, yeah, I might want that extra money. But when I had a baby in my arms, I was like, mm, this is more important. Never mind. <laughs> when we had our third child, though, it was a different situation. My husband was in the middle of a long job hunt. We were, we, he was looking for work for 15 months when he had his, um, when he graduated. And, you know, it was a, t- it was a difficult time to find work. And the, the whole way that the, you know, hiring process has changed and evolved over time, had, you know, was a little surprising for us. Um, you know, and that you could apply for 150 jobs and get really Back far in the interview process and people don't even let you know if you were selected or not. And so you're still waiting and wondering and, you know, yep. they don't even send letters anymore like they used to 20 years ago. Uh, but with the third kid, she was born and I was like, I think I was back at the desk within three weeks. And oh, the wow. only reason that was possible was because I worked from home. My yeah. husband was there caring for the kids. And if, and that was when I had negotiated that 90 minute lunch. So I had two 15 minute breaks and then it was, it was a production. I was doing medical transcription. So it was very production based. You know, you had to keep your numbers up and your accuracy high. And um, 
but having that flexible lunch basically made it possible for me to right. get back to work within those three weeks because I could slip away and take a 15 minute and go help the baby. I was breastfeeding, which is, you know, really time consuming. Um, yep. You know, because I was off camera, there were a few times that I laid a pillow across my lap. Yep. And, you know, took care of the baby that way for a few minutes until, you know, she was calm and I could get back to it and then take my 90 minute lunch and, you know, go lay down for a little bit. And, yeah. um, but if it, if I didn't have that flexibility, I couldn't have done that. And it was actually at the time, I think, when my company really needed the extra help. And so I'm thankful. So um, it was a mutual benefit. You know, you needed the money. They needed the help. You yeah. needed what I'll call an accommodation. You know, mm-hmm. not legally an accommodation, but certainly an accommodation um, that just worked for everybody. Yeah. Um, and so why not? You know, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where if you, if you don't ask, mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't get it. So you And it well was ask. my third kid. And so like the first time I had a baby, my body took a really long time to recover. And I, even if I had wanted to come back before 12 weeks, my body was telling me, no, like, this isn't possible. You need the full, you need to heal. You know, the pregnancy, the the labor and delivery was very long and drawn out. And when I had my second and third kids, I bounced back faster. And when I had my third kid, I was like, I really feel like I can do this without hurting myself. I really feel like I can handle this. And we needed it. um, And it worked. Yeah. Let's talk about you working from home. I've been jumping in a lot here. Yeah. So, um, I, I, my my second kid, yeah, my second kid just did something to me. I don't know what's good. Cause ever since she was born, I'm having a hard, a little bit harder time focusing, Mm -hmm. but by and large, I mean, partly because I'm used to working from home. Like I, I go to the office from time to time. Like if I hear there's a potluck or something, I got Mm -hmm. priorities and I'll I'll stop in there (laughs) Um, or some, it's been a couple of times, you know, they're doing construction down the street. They blew a transformer, pack a bag, run in for a little while, you know, so I don't get behind something like that. How and I can do that because the office is really close. Um, it's maybe like 10 miles. It's like 20 minutes. It's, it's not, there's probably five miles. So it's like 20, 25 minutes, you know, to get to pop over there. It's not a big deal at all. And so, um, I mean, there's a couple of times I had to wash my hair before I left the house. Yeah. <laughs> planning on being around people. But th- th- I mean, I can count on one hand the number of times that's happened. Usually if I'm going in, it's because I want to. And it's a nice change of pace to be around some people. But it's none of my people. My people are all 1,100 miles away. So um, because I worked in the office for a few years, when I used to work in our call center before I came into HR, like I know enough people that I can usually find somebody I know to kind of set up next to, you know, find an empty desk and be able to just, you know, have a little bit of human interaction, which is nice. Um, I don't miss it like I thought I would, though. I will say um, when I first started working from home, I thought this will be fun for, you know, a few weeks and then I'll go in the office a couple of times a week. No, it turns out that was my jam. (laughs) Part of it's because I'm not a morning person. Um, Part of it, I think, is also because I've been really intentional about building my relationships with people. So I feel like I know them just as well as I would if we were in the same state. Oh, yeah. And and maybe better because of that intentionality. Because if I just knew they were there all the time and I could talk to them whenever I wanted, I probably wouldn't. (laughs) <laughs> um, whereas like, you know, I'm the one that's out of sight, out of mind, and most of them are all together at like okay. our headquarters. So I really felt like I had to kind of remind people I was here. <laughs> yeah. Um, not even so much for like the career opportunity component, but just like, because of what I do for a living, um, I want to make sure people know how to reach me and they know what I can do and, um, they know when I can help. And so that served me very well. It's part of the reason I got this job, um, did you just say 
did you just say that they are together like on site 1100 miles away not, any, not anymore <laughs> they're all home now okay go ahead but, so yeah. talk about this job mm -hmm. so so when i transitioned from the call center to my first hr job i was on a team of like 15 and we all worked from home but a lot of them had been in the office together for many years before they went virtual like a year or two prior. Yeah. So again, like I'm the only one in Texas. Um, I mean, there were people in a few different states, but they all really knew each other already, you know, and so I was kind of breaking in. So um, it was a new role as well that hadn't existed before. So, um, I mean, they were really excited about it and, and they were really excited about me, apparently, you know, toot toot. They loved my interview. So they were excited to have me. It was an internal move. So, I mean, that, that part was all great. But there were times I would um, like ping somebody and kind of ask the question I already knew the answer to or just say, hey, I have this right, right? Even though I was pretty sure it was right. <laughs> or, or just kind of some of those check-in things to give me just like a reason to touch base. Because again, if you're not going to bump into somebody in the hall and, and because my job was different from theirs, um, I didn't have a lot of opportunities always to reach out to people. Okay. So it might be I'd work closely with like three or four people over the course of several weeks. And then there are three, these three or four other people that I haven't talked to in almost a month. I'm like, that's weird. I'm just going to go ahead and just reach out. Initiate. Or even sometimes just say, hey, I haven't talked to you in like a month. How are you? Yeah. You know, because yeah. um, you get an idea for people who like chit chat and people that don't. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so so, so that served me very well. And in, in the course of that, um, I ended up developing also a relationship with our legal team because of some things I happened to be working on the leave side before leaves was my job. And that relationship is what got me this job, which is the job that got me out of debt and you know, the job that made me a grown up, you know, yeah. <laughs> everything like that. And in October, it'll be seven years that I've been in this particular role doing leaves and absence, which is now also um, well-being. It wasn't in the beginning, but it is now, which is fine because I like it. But even, I mean, today, 15 years at the organization next month, you know, 10 years, 11 years in HR, I'm still employing all those same tactics to just like build those relationships and maintain them. And I think with everyone being home, um, like easier is not the word, but it's it's not as weird for me to just be like, hey, how are you doing? What's up? We haven't talked in a while because that's what everybody's having to do. Yeah. You know? But it's not something I had to develop the way that other people probably have because it was already how I was working. So for that also, you know, I've, I've been thankful for my pre-pandemic experience to power me through the last 18 months because um, all those skills have served me very well. What happened 11 years ago that got you working from home? So um, I had a situation where um, I had to actually consult with our internal HR team over um, like a workforce relations issue, like an investigation issue um, that had come to my attention. And so I had to provide some information and um, they had to like interview me and stuff like that. And then what actually happened was the guy that sat next to me, I was in a standard cubicle, you know, at the time in the office. And the guy next to me was like really jonesing to get out of that particular job. I mean, I was over it too, but my boss had just retired and I was kind of doing some of her job and mine. And I was um, a couple months away from finishing grad school, six months away, one semester away from finishing grad school. So I was like, I can worry about this in the new year. It's like the May, June timeframe. And my, my cube mate um, slides a piece of paper onto my desk and he was like, hey, you know, I check the job board every Monday morning because I'm trying to get out. 
this job's not for me, but I feel like it was literally written for you. You should go apply for it. And I was like, okay, um, I'll, I'll look at it, you know, later. So fast forward to like Thursday more, because usually jobs are only posted for like a week or two, you know, it's not forever. At least then they they were, now they're, it seems to be dragging out a little bit, but anyway. So he comes back to my desk like Thursday morning and he literally sits and he goes, I'm not moving until I see you log on and at least read this and click the apply button. And what you do after that is up to you. I was like, okay. And so when I finally took the time to look at it, I was like, oh my God, this job really was like literally tailor-made for everything that I bring to the table. So I threw my hat in the ring, never dreaming. And I, and I found it after the fact, like 200 people applied for this job. It is. Um, but the reason I, I had kind of a leg up is it totally coincidentally a month or two before I'd had to engage with them and they, you know, remembered my name and were like, oh, she conducted herself well. She had handled the situation well. And then, you know, you know, in my resume, I knew I was completing my MBA. So had this like totally random connection that obviously helped me, you know, kind of get a leg up among those hundreds of people <laughs> um, that applied. And then, and then this job uh, opened up and it was like two levels above where I was at the time. And I knew I wasn't qualified for that. So I wasn't even going to, you know, uh, put my name in the, in the, in the hat for it. And I wasn't even sure I wanted the job. Um, I didn't know if I wanted to focus on LOA um, and, and different things like that. I liked um, the very nature of what I was doing at the time. But, but again, I really didn't, no, and no company internally bumped somebody two levels. That just doesn't happen. But it seemed like nobody was applying for the job because people hate doing leaves. People hate it. Um, people that do leaves, we have like a sickness that this is what we like to do. For most people, they would just rather pull their own fingernails out with a plier. They just hate leave of absence. Is it because it's, um, it's messy. like you said earlier, it can be emotional? Like I think it's the mess more so because you have your federal laws, then you have your state laws, and even in some case you have a city law. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, um, I mean, a lot of the time people are gaming, people are abusing, you know, and 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 they get frustrated by the fact that the way the law is written, which is designed to help people, and it does, it doesn't leave the employer any recourse when you know very well someone's abusing it. And of course, I want to be very, very clear, that's the minority. Right? Okay. Most people take the leave they need, they come back, they do whatever, even when it's intermittent. They take the time they need, they're at work when they don't need to be away because it's not paid. So they don't really have any incentive to be away. Some people clearly just get a job for the insurance and then you know, immediately request leaves and, you know, don't, don't make any effort to, um, to like engage and figure out how they can still be productive. I don't know how they afford it because they're like never here. I, I digress. I never use that's why people don't like it. I think my entire 17 years that I was with Mayo Clinic, I only remember other than taking my PTO and I actually sold my PTO often. I didn't even take my time away. I was in a job share position for a long time. And so I already had every other week off. And oh, that's then, nice. And then I would cover this lady. She was a snowbird. And so she'd go down to Arizona, ironically, because that's where I live now. Yeah. Um, for like three months, four months out of the year sometimes. And I would cover her. And then in the summertime when I was doing like, I was camp counseling. I think they called it dorm staff. But, um, you know, I was working with a youth church and I was just like doing a lot of like volunteer type things. And so then she'd cover me. Um, 
Nobody wants, to be in Arizona. <laughs> Nobody yeah. wants to be in Arizona in the summertime. So she was available. Um, yeah. And so yeah. I had, um, I had a immediate family member who had a, a crisis when I was only about a year into that job that I might've, I probably just took PTO. I, I might not even have known that, you know, family medical leave. Nor would it have mattered because you would have had to use your PTO anyway. First, yeah. <laughs> so. um, and it wasn't until my mom had um, a health crisis, like it was 2015. I was pregnant with my third kid. And um, that's the first time I really ever remember talking with my supervisor and being like, my mom needs I me urgently. Need I'm getting on a train tonight and I will, I don't know when I can be back. And as long as I touched in with her, you know, to kind of like extend that time and just, she made it clear that, you know, I could possibly lose that opportunity if I didn't, you know, convey, you know, what was going on every like three days, I think she needed um, just to know if I was extending because I didn't know when I was going to go home again. And she mm -hmm. was just really wonderful to work with, probably one of my favorite supervisors, um, partly because of how well that went. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know that that was an op option for, you know, and that was, I think, yeah. I think that was like 15 years in before I ever yeah. had to use that. So there's going to be those of us that definitely don't abuse it, you know, until you start to have, you know, a really big crisis. Mm -hmm. And that's not abusing it. That's using it in the way in which it's intended. It <laughs> and, and that's one of the biggest struggles we have is, um, you know, manager turnover is high, you know, um, at, at least at our organization, we have a lot of new managers all the time. Mm. Um, you can get everybody trained up, but then they leave or they promote. And so then we have another manager coming in. So um, it, it's it's hard to keep managers really up to date on all of the leaves so they can point people. Because I mean, on average, HR is not going to know when something's going on, nor do we need to know. Like, right. Of course. You know, we really, managers the front line. But, but all that to say, um, nobody was applying for the job. So I'm on my way to happy hour and I get a call um, and somebody says, look, um, no one's really applying, but I, I think you'd be a shoe in. And I was like, but this stuff. So we started talking about it and, and we talked to the other, the other side of HR that handles that kind of thing. And they were like, well, what if we split the difference? Cause you're not ready for the role as it's posted. Okay. Um, but what if we bring you in like at this dollar with, with this and then, you know, probably two or three years from now, you will be at that level and that's we'll, awesome. and, and that's how it happened. Yeah. You know, they, they brought me in like halfway between my salary at the time and the salary mm -hmm. they would have given an external hire that met all those qualifications. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it took three ish, three ish years to get, but, but I thought that was fair. I that's was, I was not, solution. you know, yeah, I thought it was wonderful and it took the pressure off me too. Um, Cause I mean, I'm, I'm good at my job. I was good at it from the start. Um, but I, but I wasn't that level of, of good and the intuitiveness. And again, like the strategic overall thinking, like I just, I had, I needed time to build those skills. Mm -hmm. um, so of course now that I've had seven years in this job, I'm beginning to be concerned, you know, about the specificity of what I do and thinking about, okay, what's next. Okay. So, um, you know, my boss has been after me for, um, since before my first child was born in 2014, 2016, what, what do you want to do next? Well, you know, because he was very, very passionate about my career development. And I was like, man, no, I got a baby. Now I have another baby. I was like, I'm not worried about that right now. Yeah. So now my, that my kids are three and five, I feel like I have some room to kind of take a breath and finally start thinking about that. So now that my three-year-old like will watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she will watch. She be my life. I have a new, I have a new lease on life, you know. But, but um, you said they're in, um, like a daycare program. But they're in program. daycare. Yeah, 
Yeah, so I don't have to worry about them being underfoot during the day. It's a random sick day or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But that's amazing. So you've talked about your headset. You've talked about your monitor. Um, do you have anything else that has made your life easier? Okay. Working from home. I call it, I call it my whiteboard of shame. Um, not that anyone should, should have shame in whatever they need to be successful. But first I purchased a two foot by three foot whiteboard that I, that I do use like track. Cause if it's not in front of me, um, it doesn't work. And so I've tried to embrace one note, you know, I use outlook tasks, but this is like 20 bucks on Amazon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here we have my very fancy mini narrow whiteboard. It sits right between my laptop docking station and my, I, like you, I have the, Oh yeah. So can you um, describe it for the people who are only listening on the podcast? Oh yeah. So it's about, um, maybe it's like 18, 20 inches wide and about five inches tall. So it's about the size of your standard keyboard. And again, like depending upon where someone might need their monitor, I mean, or, or their laptop, however your setup is, it works perfectly for me that I have it like right in front of my laptop right up above my keyboard. So, and then I, I keep a blue and a red marker nearby. <laughs> and so like, if somebody needs something for me today, um, then I can like quickly write it down. It stays in front of me. Or if there's something I want to make sure I follow up on tomorrow. Cause of course I still have like random to-do lists and things like that, but it really helps me keep track of the most urgent things that are going on right now. What do blue and red signify for you? It just is a visual for me because if it's all the same color, it all kind of blurs together in my mm-hmm. head. So I don't even use like blue for urgent or red for urgent. I just kind of alternate just okay. so that Visual. visually it just kind of just kind of triggers yeah. something when I look down just to have the contrast. So do you like wipe it off when you complete that task or what's your method? And that is why I like it so much because it, it, it's like a poor man's rocket book, right? So... <laughs> So if I, if I have like my regular to-do list, you know, that I'll put on screen right here, it's just my regular white pad. Well, when I start turning the page, page one is forgotten about. If there's something on page one that didn't get done, I either need to remember to write it again on the next page or I forget about it. And oh, I can have, tell you that yeah. 90, 98% <laughs> of the time, I'm just going to forget about it. Yep. So this way, I, it's always fresh. I just take my finger and <laughs> I, I delete, <laughs> I erase what I've already done. And then that kind of leaves room for the next thing. So when my whiteboard gets full, that is also my visual cue to stop what I'm doing as much as possible, take and, and take a minute. I either transfer them to like my calendar for the next day where it can pop up and remind me like every hour or just do it where that's possible Um, or, you know, something else. Because when you have 10 urgent reminders for today, then, you know, like none of this is, this is cannot all happen. This is overwhelming. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's been, that's been a very unexpected benefit that it's kind of helping me on the days where like, I've realized I've kind of not even overcommitted because right there are things that you decide I'm going to try and get this done today, you know, and that's different than when you've actually promised to somebody else. But um, like I said, particularly because I deal with people's pay at times, there, there are things that are time sensitive, like before a payroll cutoff date that I want to make sure I resolve and it mm. kind of, yeah, it's, it's a nice visual and nice practical. And I mean, it was, it was totally inexpensive. So it's been the best thing best uh, professional decision I've made in 2021 was purchasing that little bitty whiteboard to go in front of my keyboard. And if that's just not indicative of the last 18 months, I don't know what is. I like it. I might need to get one. Um, I've, I've found a few things that help 
Um, but with my workflow right now, you know, I'm kind of in between like teaching ESL, but not as many hours as I used to. And mm -hmm. with that, basically, I just had to make sure I got to my computer in time for my first class. And then yeah. it just did a little bit for the next 10 hours. I would just teach. Um, yeah. And I kind of liked that. Um, it's when I was a secretary that it got tricky because I was managing a really busy um, surgeon. Um, not only his like, taking his phone calls from all of his patients, I worked in urology. So I get oh, these gosh. men coming, calling me to talk about their parts Yeah, every day it's and their pee, you know, so yes. it was um, really fun and interesting and actually sometimes amusing. Um, not, in, not in a creepy way or anything, but just, you know, <laughs> they're very urgent. They're very urgent matters. But yeah, it's, yeah. I, I could appreciate if, you, if you're needing to contact a urologist, it's not a casual issue yeah. most of the time. And so I would be getting calls, but I was also needing to manage like his, um, his travel calendar and like booking. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I had never booked a flight to, you know, Beijing before. And, um, yeah. you know, how much time does it take to drive across Paris to get to the other airport, you know, cause that's mm -hmm. the only option. Um, and then also needing to get like his paper PowerPoints printed off and sent to Hawaii for some presentation and managing the priority of the guy who has surgery the next day and needs to know that he cannot blah, 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 something before right. surgery, um, you know, but and making sure the surgeon makes it back in time for the surgery <laughs> and um, managing the travel calendar. <laughs> there were some very competing priorities and you'd have to be like, which one is the most urgent? And so, yeah, yes. I had a system on paper. Um, that was imperfect, but definitely helped me right. get it through. I mean, I have things that have been on my to-do list for literally four years. Yay. Four years. I'm like, one day. It's one of those, like, you know, kind of like process improvement-y kind of things where it's like, look, it's not broken right now. But if I ever have a minute, I'm going to see if I can improve this part. And it and it just mocks me. It's there. <laughs> On my it's outlook, not on your I, I do. Is it? No, no, I would never, I would never um, besmirch my whiteboard with that th those couple of awful tasks. There's three or four of them. It's shameful. Um, but I, so I use my Outlook tasking, and I just put them out a month every every couple months. I just put it out another month, and I think maybe next quarter I'll do it. Right, but I feel like those reminders, like I feel like my brain turns off when they keep seeing them. Like it, I have those things too. If it's not a unique way like if it doesn't come in in a different way it's just like it's like hitting your snooze button when you're mostly asleep yes like did that even happen and that's why i just put it out for a month because there's no point uh, in in hitting like the five minute or the hour reminder <laughs> yeah yeah for a week like it was like no if i know that i can't work on this in the next like 24 hours then i'm just going to put it out for a month and worry about it then like um before we go i know that you're going to have to um head out mm -hmm. here soon um do you work a lot with people who also are working from home like can you talk a little bit about what that's been like for like the last year yeah. So before the pandemic, about um, half, maybe 60, half of our population of 10,000 was already working from home, like formally, whether they might have popped in the office sometime, maybe. But there's a lot of people that work where we don't have offices and, you know, the, the West Coast of Oregon or like Wyoming, Wyoming, Wyoming and Montana, <laughs> you know, those kinds of things. Um, but then we had like another 10 to 20 percent. I don't know the exact number that was just in and out of the office from time to time, you know, just um, either for their work life balance or they come in when they had meetings or, you know, or again, like sometimes certain child care things like one day a week, they didn't have a sitter or whatever. So when we transitioned to working from home, you know, it was very interesting because we had a ton of people for whom it was like, this is fine. This is this is fine. It's my life anyway, like myself, like, okay, fine. <laughs> and it was hard to be empathetic to the people who were frustrated at working from home. It's like, you're doing it for 11 years. Like, put your big girl pants on. This is a good Come life. On. Don't really? you like it? 
And and then I have to tell myself, okay, but not everybody likes this. And and again, like I was saying earlier, not everyone lives in a situation that is conducive to productivity and time to think. And and then when you add in children that were homeschooling and things like that, we obviously that's that's a whole different scenario. Um, But but also we have like our younger crowd, like our under thirties who I know are really struggling, not only am I seeing it in my organization, but in other industries as well, um, you know, with that connection, mentoring, you know, really feeling like this is not how I wanted to start my career working at home by myself. Like I, I wanted that connection. I wanted that. So I, as part of my job, I'm, I'm part of some of our, um, our BRGs, our, our resource groups, and we have one for virtual colleagues, we have one for female colleagues, and then a host of underrepresented communities as well. Um, so I've, I've tried to engage with those groups, you know, kind of just explain how you can connect with people, you know, a large part of, of well-being is, is also like the diversity inclusion component. And we have somebody else who extraordinarily manages our diversity inclusion program, Good. so I don't at all. And, intend to imply that I'm an expert in that field, but we do work closely together because if you do not feel included and if you do not feel represented, then your mental well-being suffers and then your work life suffers, you know, which as we were talking about before, if you're not being productive, that's a problem for us, but it's also a problem um, for retention, for engagement, and in keeping those things healthy is is in everyone's best interest. So what, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, so so what we've really been trying to do, um, like away so much from the lease and disability component, because for most people, being home solves a lot of their problem, whether it's mobility, whether it's mental health. Um, again, we see fewer people requesting leave, and we see fewer people with open leaves taking time, because they're home and they're comfortable. You know, um, they're able to mitigate the symptoms that would have been unmanageable in the office, which again benefits us because they're able to be productive and benefits them because they're not wasting their vacation days that they could be using to actually relax and recharge because they're having, you know, they're struggling with anxiety today or they're struggling with a migraine or something like that. So as I said, by no means should someone be putting their job above their physical or mental health, but, you know, to the extent that we can help people maximize their benefits, um, working from home helps you maximize your benefits without question. Um, and then, of course, you know, there are people that are just dying to get back to the office. You know, they want to be around people. Um, they, they don't like working from home for whatever reason. Yep. Um, they might have an ideal physical setup, and it's just not how they like to work. Or some um, people so cannot manage the, like, the, the noise in their home. Like, they might have yapping right. dogs and, like, you know, kids yes. who are, you know, having special needs or might be loud or something yes. like that. Um, I actually just learned this week of a thing. So I'm renting this little um, micro apartment thing whatever they call it. Um, but I, <laughs> I heard the other day someone say, you know how you can rent a hotel? Some hotels can, you can rent the room by the hour. Yeah. Well, that's actually a thing. Like there's now you can do like some daytime rentals. Uh-huh. For, um, I've heard about that. Or work from home for the people who needed a, a quiet place to go work and nothing sleazy or weird about that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, a lot of times those rooms are available for many hours in the daytime and yes. they're only being occupied at night. And I can see that being like a really nice way for those hotels to kind of double dip a little bit as far yeah, as. Yeah. Well, and, and two, like if you are largely working from home, even if you had some expense around those kinds of things, and even if your company doesn't cover it, when you look at what you're saving, 
wardrobe, lunches, commute cost, wear and tear, if it's your own vehicle or, you know, time spent on transit, the time alone, you know, is huge. And never mind the fact that you're not paying for gas or, you know, commuting carts or whatever. If from time to time you have a little extra expense, you're still coming out way ahead financially in that game. Mm, yeah. Sarah, do you have any last thoughts before we wrap up? Um, I, I would just, I think, like to acknowledge what you talked about when you said you asked, you know, for that extended lunch. I would say, you know, if there's something you're not getting from your employer right now, and they haven't already explicitly said it's off the table, just ask, you know, and, and even if they can't say yes right now, they might be able to say, can you ask me again in two months? Or can you ask me again at the new year? Because even if something isn't possible today, it doesn't mean it's never going to be possible. And I think the pandemic has shown us that. How many people, you know, would have loved to work from home and were told we really can't. And the company probably really thought they couldn't until they had to, yeah. right? Necessity is the mother of invention. Um, so I think, you know, and it doesn't mean, I, I, I'm sitting here as a leaf specialist, but it doesn't mean it has to be medical in nature that can help facilitate a process because there are legal requirements when it's medical in nature in many countries, not just in the US. But um, but even if it's not, even if it's work-life balance, um, just, just ask because all they can say is no or, or not yet. Very good. Sarah Hudson with April Malone for Yes, I Work From Home. You are in the Houston metro area. Is there a way that anybody would be able to find you if they had any questions about HR related things. I don't know if I should. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I am Sarah Hudson, SPHR on LinkedIn. Um, okay. If anyone wants to chat. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much and appreciate your time with me today. Have a good Thanks, one. Thanks, April. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye.